BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Is this thing on? All right, gentlemen, coming to main stage next, this is Bunny. Get up there. She's got a tornado of titties coming your way. Get those dollar bills ready. She's got an ass that shakes like Michael J. Fox. So get up there and throw, throw, throw them dollars. Dude, that is fucking iconic. <laughs> What's up, you sexy motherfuckers? Welcome to another episode of Dumb Blonde. Today, we have somebody who I have followed for a very long time. I've seen her go through a lot of shit and I've seen her come out on top like the butterfly that she is. Mrs. Sophia Franklin, how are you doing, baby? Hi, thank you so much for having me. This place is amazing and I'm so excited to be here. Dude, uh, you know, I think everybody knows who you are just because of the whole debacle that happened and I feel like everybody focuses on that. And with this podcast today, I kind of want to get to know you. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I want to know, like, where you grew up. I want to know, like, how bad you were as a child. I want to talk about, like, traumatic shit you've been through. (laughs) So is that okay with you? One thousand percent. Actually, that's like someone asking me to talk about my traumatic childhood is way better than, like, someone asking about the traumatic shit that happened Aww. with my old show well so it's we'll amazing get, yeah we'll <laughs> get into that and for those of you who don't know who Sophia is she used to be one half of call her daddy mm-hmm. why don't you tell people a little bit about it and then we'll get into more of it later so I was part of the podcast call her daddy um I did it for like two ish years and then I had a very very public kind of drama happened. It breakup. Was it was almost breakup, like a breakup. Right. With my co-host and with um the business and the company that we were doing the podcast under. And again, very public. New York Times reported on it. It was it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then I ventured off and I started Sophia with an F, which is my podcast now. Mm-hmm. Everyone go listen. But it's a great podcast. It's one of the podcasts I listen to. Really? Yeah, oh my God. It. That means the world to me. No, I love um it. But that's like basically it in a nutshell. I mean. So where did you grow up? Where where was um, baby Sophia born? Utah. Okay. So you are from Utah. Mm-hmm. So is that considered West Coast? Because I'm a West Coast girl. I'm from Vegas. So is that is Utah considered West Coast? It's not considered West Coast, no. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a very interesting place to grow up. I, I would go to Vegas all the time, by the way. Yeah. every That was like where I would go with my fake ID growing up. Yeah. It's crazy because I was the opposite. For church trips, I always went to fucking Utah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were living parallel lives. Right. <laughs> were, you, were you raised LDS? No, no, but I was raised strict Southern Pentecostal, which is just like fucking being Mormons. So. Okay. <laughs> Except we don't like baptize the dead and shit or whatever it is. I don't right. know. No offense to the Mormons out there that do baptize the dead but (laughs) (laughs) no I I talk about so it's kind of funny I went to private Catholic school but my mom was Mormon LDS she's not anymore 
And then how does that work out? You're Mormon, <laughs> but end up in Catholic school. Right. Was it just like they were kind of like searching for something to believe in or it was the only school that they could get you in? So I think my mom wanted me to get a better education mm. and I'm using quotation marks because she thought, OK, private school means better education. <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't. Mm -mm. I, went to, <laughs> I went to private school myself, too. OK, oh, I was so bad. I, I was horrible. Yeah. I was the worst. I was a terrible human. Yeah, <laughs> I was, too. And, and I think the kids in private school tended to be Assholes. way crazier and yeah. way worse than the kids in public school. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? I agree. So I went to, yeah, private Catholic school. So I think it was just for the better education. And then I think the Mormon culture, and just like you said, I'm not shitting on LDS or the faith yeah. at all because it, it, there's some incredible parts to it. Absolutely. But there's like a certain culture in Utah where it's very like clicky and very judgmental mm -hmm. and my mom's from argentina so she was uh mormon in argentina and she said the culture moving to the united states within that religion was just completely different wow yeah i feel like within any sort and i we don't really talk about religion on my podcast that much but I, I you know i grew up in a very religious childhood also and i feel like with any sort of religious upbringing there's always so much judgment mm -hmm. like and that's why i always tell everybody i'm spiritual i'm not religious because i feel like when you tell people you're religious they automatically think you're a bible thumper they automatically are like oh my gosh she's gonna shove her beliefs down my throat but when you say you're spiritual people are like oh it's kind of like riding the wave it's a right. vibe you know yeah like it's it sucks that that's how religion is though you know and i feel like that makes us grow up with so much shame feeling like we're being judged constantly by adults so I mean I still to this day I mean you and I talk about sex openly to this day I still will have those moments where I'm like Ooh, am I like taking it too far? Like talking about a blow job? Is that mm -hmm. was that a little too much? Religious I trauma. Still, right. I, I do talk about that a lot on the podcast. A lot of people don't realize there is trauma from religion. Like you grow literally, I have fucking panic attacks and anxiety and fucking mental health issues because I lit I lived in a constant state of fight or flight because when I was growing up, I was told you're gonna go to hell if you do this. If right. you fucking sit the wrong way if you fucking wear a skirt you know that's yeah. too short you're gonna go to hell and they don't understand that as a child that fucking really ingrains fear yeah. in you right and in your subconscious right mm -hmm. when you just mentioned the skirt i'm thinking about when i went to the the private catholic school high school they would go around measuring your skirt yes. your kneecap yeah. right yep to make sure it wasn't too short mm -hmm. And it seems kind of harmless and it just seems like, you know, a rule at the school. But if you really think about it, like that shit follows you, right? And you're subconscious in yep. a weird way. Oh, yeah. Even now, if my shorts are too short, I'll tie a flannel around my waist because it's like you just were right. raised to not have your ass cheeks fucking hanging out, you know? Yes. So it's like it really does stick with you. So growing up in such a religious um, background and scenario, of course, I'm sure that probably caused you to rebel a little bit. I know I remember <laughs> I think your mugshot went fucking viral, right? <laughs> this is like, what, 2018, 2019 that your mugshot went viral? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Let's talk about little hood rat Sophia. <laughs> what I'm like, wait, which mugshot? Oh, I gosh. have a few. <laughs> Do you really? Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah, I was uh, pretty out of control. I don't know. When if did it, that start? I want to say it probably started high school. Okay, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I was 
I was always pretty outspoken and like the class clown in middle school mm. and I was a little bit raunchier and I really could not tell you why. I had no idea. <laughs> I just was like that. Yeah. And then high school, <laughs> 15, I think, is when I had my first drink, like my first taste of alcohol. What was the first thing you ever drank? Oh, oh my God. It was my mom's alcohol. <laughs> and it was like, it wasn't even tea. It wasn't even like straight vodka or anything. It was mm-hmm. like orange liqueur. Oh. Like that 15% yeah. bullshit you add to uh, a drink. Cough you know? syrup. <laughs> right. But I made sure to drink enough of it. To that, get lit. Yeah. Mine was Cisco and Old E. What the hell is that? Girl, let's, that's a whole nother <laughs> podcast. So back in the day, fucking, if you were raised in the ghetto, you fucking drank fucking Cisco, which is like a liqueur, but it's like strawberry flavored. Okay. And then Old English, which is like 40s of Old English. Like okay. Beer. Old, okay. Old English, I know. Cisco, I'm thinking about like the fucking like, oil that you fry shit in. <laughs> no, no, no. That's Crisco. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, welcome to can... Dumb Blonde, Sophia. <laughs> I love I'm like, you can get drunk off that shit. That's not even dumb blonde. That's like kind of a smart move. I yeah, know that. no, I love that. <laughs> um, no, so Cisco is pretty much like uh, cough syrup too. It's just it's fucking disgusting. Right. I don't even know how people drink that shit. It's like Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. Do you know what Mad Dog? No. no? All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> She's like, no, bitch, you're way older than I am. <laughs> um. So high school, yeah, I. Started to get in a lot of trouble, but it was weird because I swear to God, all the kids in high school were getting in trouble, but I... I, You always got caught. Yeah. Was that your situation? Because that that was mine. Yeah, Everybody would fuck up, and I was the one who got the blame. Right. (laughs) I I, Yeah, actually, I would get caught for fucking everything. I, I was very reckless, but I mean, I started selling drugs when I was 17. How did you get into selling drugs? Well, I think it started with taking them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did you try your first drug? Ooh, that's it. So I started with smoking weed. It's always the gateway. Right? It's like those fucking it's the commercials. Drug. They weren't yeah. lying. It really is. Remember Dare? Dare to keep your kids off drugs. Were you around for that? No, it's probably No, I was. Oh, I, were you okay? One hundred percent. Um, I was dating, I think I was a freshman. I was dating a senior, of course. Oh yeah, me too. Right? Yeah. Always. And now I like him young. It's weird. Back me in too. The, <laughs> I love him young. Oh my God. We did a little like flip yeah. flop. I'm the exact same. Give me a cabana boy any day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. 25 and below. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not below. <laughs> Don't come for me. <laughs> no, mine's 27 right now. And it's like, yeah, mm, baby. I'm, I'm into it. Um, but he would smoke a bunch of weed so I started smoking weed and then I don't know how that progressed to like trying coke and oxys and all of that Mm. shit but I think what happened is I started to have friends ask me for it Mm. and so I would be facilitating right I would be like okay I can get it for you giving it to them and then I had a light bulb moment where I was like, wait, why am I putting in all of this time and effort and not making money off of this? Because you're a hustler. Right? Yeah. So it's either in you or it's not. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And as a middleman, I was like, I'm going to, you know, make a little bit of money off this. So I would start upcharging or I would like take a little scoop to myself, you know, like that type of shit. Yeah. And that's kind of how it started. I love that. I didn't sell <laughs> drugs. I just did them all. Did yeah. you ever did you ever become an addict in the process? Was it like a, an issue that you really had to like battle? 
shockingly no good i yeah i mean there was like a moment where i was smoking oxycontin for i don't know like a year in high school yeah and i just quickly was like i'm over that coke over that which i'm very very lucky because for a lot of people that's not how it works yeah um alcohol is a different story (laughs) i like walked in here with a white claw but as far as i mean alcohol is a drug but as far as like drugs like that Mm. yeah no i i i'm pretty good yay so (laughs) was that convincing i'm i'm pretty good right (laughs) now i think just swigs the white claw (laughs) (laughs) um so what where did you get your first mugshot because you said you have a few so where where did the arrests come in so luckily i never got caught uh selling drugs ever good um utah again there's very very strict not that many people are getting fucked up drunk because there's so many lds people um i was arrested i think three times between the ages of 18 and I'm going to say 17 and 21, probably mm-hmm. all for underage drinking. Aww. So basically all of them were just me <laughs> going out, getting blackout drunk and having a fake ID. And then there you go. There's my mug shot. That's got to be some fucking Utah shit because growing up in Vegas, fucking underage drinking is like an everyday thing. Like, right. I don't think I've ever met anybody who's been arrested for underage drinking besides you now. That is what <laughs> everyone tells me. And I'm like, Crazy. I have three arrests for that. You poor baby. Right. <laughs> to, to the point that I was, you know, there's a whole drunk tank, which I went to. And then there's actually being arrested and like put in an orange jumpsuit in jail that happened to me like my third time getting arrested for underage drinking that's crazy it's almost like they were just trying to prove a point with you right yeah I mean I was in there and there were girls telling me like oh yeah like I'm in here because I like domestic abuse and like really really intense shit and I'm like I am 19 and I drink alcohol. Can I please get out of here? Oh, you poor baby. (laughs) So after your arrest and did you graduate high school? Yes. Okay, good. So Mm -hmm. I didn't. I did not make (laughs) I was such a party animal. I just got my good enough diploma. Um, So getting out of high school, what, what does Sophia do next? Yeah, so... I wasn't done being a degenerate after high school. (laughs) We love degenerates. (laughs) I went to a college in San Francisco. I didn't get kicked out, but my mom basically was like, get the fuck home. I'm not going to help you go to college if you're out here doing this shit. I got in trouble for like just partying, drinking shit in California. Right. I mean, you're just being a kid. That's right? what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I'm going to tell the Utah police that. And, like, so they leave <laughs> yeah. the fuck alone. Um, and then I came back to Utah. I actually graduated from the University of Utah in economics. Yay. Started working in finance. So somewhere around there, I got my shit together. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, do we even have our shit together? I mean, I, I think we're don't. all fucking still searching. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Trying to figure it out. Right. I'm like, I don't have my shit together, but I got it a little bit more together. And then... I started working in finance, then moved to New York from Utah, which was a huge move, then started the Call Her Daddy podcast, then all that shit happened, and now Sophia the Nuh. Right. Let's rewind a little bit, because you did say um, that you don't mind talking about your childhood traumas. How is your relationship with your parents? Like, is dad around, or is it just mom, or how's that? Mm -hmm. Dad, not around. Um, My mom 
I was raised by a single mom. She is my best friend. Aww. Like, we are so, so close. Go, mom, go. Right? My biological dad, not in the picture. He, I've met him twice. My mom kind of gave me that option to meet him when I was in high school, actually. Mm. And I met him, and then we didn't really speak. And then a few years later, I met him again, and then we didn't really speak. So... I mean, daddy issues, abandonment issues, definitely there. How, um, I, how ironic that you would have a podcast called Call Her Daddy, too. <laughs> right? Right? I always thought about we that, We all have too. daddy. We have daddy and mommy issues, so. Well, and that's the thing is people assume daddy issues means you didn't have a dad. Right. No, That's not means, the case. Yeah. I mean, I would say 90% of people have some type of daddy or mommy issue. That's oh, just yeah, how both. it is. Yeah. Right? There's, you can have both easily. Yeah. Um, so that's my biological dad. And then who I refer to as my dad, I mean, technically he's my stepdad, Mm -hmm. but he came into the picture when I was six Mm -hmm. and amazing guy, great guy. There was definitely some substance abuse shit happening. So on his part or both parents on his part. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Kind of in and out of rehab. Um, and I, I mean, I don't really know your story, but there's more that comes with that, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that was, that was my childhood. But when I say that, at the same time, my mom was so strong yeah, and such a good single parent that I don't necessarily look back and think, oh my God, I'm so fucked up or I was doing all of this shit because of how I was raised. You know yeah. what I mean? No, that's good because there's a lot of kids that'll be like, oh my God, my stepdad was you know, an addict and it's affected me so much. And I think that's really cool that you were able to take that situation and still see the silver lining, you know, and see instead of taking the negative in, you looked at your mom and you were like, God, what a pillar of strength, you know, mm-hmm. which a lot of kids won't do that. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I fucking had to have a talk with our daughter last night and she's 14. So everything is fucking emotional. I told, <laughs> I told my husband, I was like, you know, I'm going to get blamed for all of her fucking trauma. Right, I was like, right? I'm, when she grows up, she's going to be like that fucking bitch <laughs> fucking traumatized me, you know, because I feel like set parents always get such a bad rap, you know? So right. I think it's really cool that you were able to look at it with um, rose colored glasses. Yeah. And I think, um, it, it's a testament to a lot of my success you know Mm -hmm. I think if I didn't go through a lot of that shit maybe it wouldn't have made me less or more successful but I think I have this personality trait where I'm very like in tune I'm very observative like it it made me who I am which has led to my success you know what I mean well I mean you started selling drugs in high school so (laughs) obviously you've got a you know a great mind to hustle and to (laughs) not be a victim you know which a lot of people do fall into that oh woe is me this is I was this happened to me so I'm gonna be this way whereas you know there's people like us who are just like you know what fuck that this happened to us and we're gonna just fucking keep on trucking 100 percent, yeah so I think that's awesome so 19 you moved to New York no 20 I summed up my life story in like two seconds you're like (laughs) how'd you skip 10 years (laughs) um no so I graduated college and then we we stay on a smart cookie by the way we what? We stan a smart cookie. Thank you You're so welcome. much. Hair flip, um, queen. <laughs> so graduated college, worked in finance, moved to New York, I want to say 23, 24 years old. Why did you choose finance? <laughs> that shit is so hard. Trust me. God, you got to be really fucking smart to do that shit. 
I no. Are you not really? <laughs> no, I, I mean I'm dead ass. Yeah, I'm smart. I mean to but... play with numbers and people's money all day. Like that's got to be. Yeah. So I majored in in uh, finance or in economics. Okay. I shouldn't have. I had no business majoring <laughs> that. I didn't like it. I didn't care for it. I wasn't that good at it. But what I was really good at was English and writing and mm. shit like that. And yeah. I thought to myself, there's no fucking money in this at all right so force yourself to do something where you know money is so I forced myself to major in economics then got a job at like a top five finance firm I didn't have like a high level job by any means right but but still you're doing your thug fizzle right right and it's better than me. I was spinning around a pole. <laughs> <laughs> I went the complete opposite. I was like, easy money? Fuck yeah. You Let's know what? Go. You were probably making quadruple <laughs> what I was making. So I think that was the smart fucking move. You know, if I could ever go back and like change career paths, I probably wouldn't. But and I'm like the worst person to ever represent the adult industry because everybody's like, oh, what was me? I would never do it. And I'm like, nope, I would do it again. But <laughs> if I could ever go back, I would definitely have tried to live that college life because I feel like I missed that you know like I missed being able to be a kid and just fucking fuck up and get arrested for fucking weird shit you know right (laughs) weird shit that that nobody else gets arrested for (laughs) no I know and I didn't really have the full college experience oh you can hear in my voice I'm 100% the type of girl I should have been in a sorority yeah like it's fun it's like it you can just tell you know totally so I didn't have that full experience but uh, started working in finance and then I went through a super bad breakup mm. with my boyfriend at the time and he was a piece of shit and that's like a whole different story but was he abusive he was Aww. yeah was so, it a domestic violence relationship yeah <laughs> I love how I say yeah <laughs> I don't know yes um I-, I would say it was abusive I don't think it was at the level that a lot of women experience it. Right, but don't minimize the trauma that you had. Right. You know, I think us as women, we always try to compare our stories to other people. And, you know, abuse is abuse. So it's true. Whether it's verbal, mental, yeah. physical. To me, verbal and mental abuse is way worse than physical. Punch me in my fucking face. Yep. But don't fucking play mind games with me because yep. I will turn into fucking, what's that dude's name? The, that fucking, the ringmaster guy from fucking <laughs> Saw. I'll fucking turn into that guy. Like, don't fuck with me. So, yeah, don't minimize your trauma because I it's know. real. I, I need to get used to not doing that. Yeah. Yes, I would say it was definitely an abusive relationship. And again, the silver lining, I use that to be like, I'm getting the fuck out of Utah. I'm going to New York and I'm going to figure it out from there. I love that for you. Mm-hmm. What is it like coming from, you know, because Utah's huge, but it's not New York, you know, no. like it's a completely fucking different <laughs> vibe I guess you could say yeah what is your first days your first week in New York what is that like for you paint us that picture holy shit I'm like so excited you're asking me this question because the first six months living in New York were the most terrifying crazy uh self-growth period I've ever had in my entire Mm -hmm. life I go from Utah living with my family, very very sheltered, very conservative, to you are completely alone in New York. Mm. I got this studio. It was like $1,800 a month, which is fucking expensive, but it was like a shoebox. 
Matt, that's on the floor. Great now. Nowadays, <laughs> if you can right? find anything for 1800 in New York. I know. You can. Yeah. But um, it was a shoebox, mattress on the floor, and I was completely alone. And it was fucking crazy. It was really, really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, Why did you pick New York? You just looked at a map and you were like, fuck it, I'm going to New York. <laughs> so my aunt, who's kind of like my second mom, she lives in New York mm-hmm. part time. Gotcha. Um, and so I had been there quite a few times and she was part of the reason. And I think I think a lot of girls especially grow up with watching Sex in the City and oh, New yeah. York and, you know, the hustle and bustle and the fashion and all that shit. They make it look so beautiful on Sex in the City. Right? <laughs> it's like right? just, it's so like pleasant, you know? And I then know. you go there and you're like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> like end up in the Bronx somewhere, which I, I like the Bronx. I don't mind. Or no, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I like Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. No, Sex in the City, that show is, you watch it and you want to move to New York so bad and yeah. you get there and it's like, <laughs> Yeah, some of this is real. A lot of it is not real. It's right. like a fucking highlight reel of New York, obviously. Were the people just like completely different? Like, did they, did anybody take advantage of you? Like, how was that? No, actually. And I think, you know, I grew up in Utah, which is so, it's such a bubble and so conservative and et cetera. But I was dealing drugs. I was getting in trouble in Utah. I was like, bitch, I'm a gangster. (laughs) New York got shit on me. Utah. Okay. Have you guys in New York heard of that place? Right. Um, But I, I, I had a lot of experience going into New York. You know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I was sheltered, but again, like my upbringing and everything, it wasn't like I was thrown into into new york like some yeah country some girl that mild, had yeah. exactly and you're you're a tough cookie too i can definitely read that from you so you're not going to take shit from anybody right i love yeah. that for you yeah so you're in new york you've been there for six months what happens after that so six months into it <laughs> those six months were so fucking wild i almost like burnt <laughs> down the apartment complex on accident <laughs> like i left the the stove on mm. Which in New York is a big no-no. Oh, it's no. Like, and the, is it gas or electric? The gas. Okay. And yeah, there was, it, it was a whole fucking thing. <laughs> Cheers but- to living on your own. <laughs> I did that one time. I left eggs boiling and left. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Came home. My entire fucking place was filled with smoke and the eggs were like on fire in the pan, but I didn't burn the place down. I oh, my no God. Idea. I think that's like whenever you're living on your own, you have to like go through those lessons to just learn. You do, right? Yeah. Oh my God. And this is such a side note tangent. You're gonna be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I remember leaving my studio and I left a bunch of lemons and oranges in the garbage. And when I came back to my studio after like my trip, I opened the garbage can. It was moving. Oh, no. And I was like, wait, why does my garbage can look like it's moving? Maggots, like oh, thousands no. of them. So I chucked my garbage can out the window. It was like seven stories high. I could have absolutely <laughs> killed someone. God, can you imagine walking below that that day? Just fucking <laughs> like know. it's raining maggots and you're like, no, and you're already having a fucked up day. God, why? Why is this happening to me? I would freak out. I'd be like, this is a sign. I'm fucking right? leaving the city. Well, and a big ass fucking garbage can. Like I could have been so sued and so fucked. Yeah. But um, no, it was really crazy. And then, yeah, about six months to a year, I... I didn't really have friends, right? I didn't know anyone there. Yeah. 
But I started meeting people and that's when I was introduced to the co-host that I had on Call Her Daddy. Are we allowed to say her name or not? Yeah, Alex okay. Cooper. Alex that's Cooper, that's yeah. when I met her. She was looking for a place. I was looking for a place. And this girl I'd met in like a Uber pool is the one that connected us. It's so crazy and yeah. random. And it's then, just destiny. It right. Was part of your, it's part of your journey. 100%. Mm-hmm. And then the day I met her, we signed a lease on an apartment. We didn't Aww. even know each other. And then, yeah. You guys needed each other in mm-hmm. that moment, you know? And yeah. I think this is one thing that people don't understand because, you know, as we get into the story, um, you know, playing devil's advocate here, you guys had a genuine friendship. Mm-hmm. There was a love there between you guys. And I'm sure she misses you like crazy because when you meet somebody and you sign a lease with them on the first fucking day, there's, I don't want to say chemistry because it makes you guys sound like it was a No, there was chemistry But for it's sure. like, there. that's a bond where you just, rec- it's like a soul recognition where you're like, hey, where you been all yeah. my life? I've been looking for you. Let's fucking be buddies and do this, you know? Yeah. You know, part of me, and I'm just, I'm too honest for my own good. A part of me sometimes thinks that a part of me sometimes wonders. I think there's certain people that maybe you think they're making that connection or they feel that way, but they're not, Mm. which is sometimes like how I look back on the relationship. I don't know if she was ever, if she ever felt it the same way I, yeah, yeah. So, and and I don't know, and I probably will never know, but there was a reason we met and we clicked like that. So you guys, you guys signed a lease and you moved in together. What happens from there? So I'm still working in finance. She was working for a magazine. She got laid off. Um, She had always wanted to be in entertainment in some way and be famous in some way. People like that scare me. Yeah. Any and this isn't us talking shit. It's just really people who want to be famous so bad that they're willing to step on anybody and yeah. do anything to get there. Terrifying. Is scary. You know. Very. And you can tell how when people are like that and when they're not. You know, like mm-hmm. I the shit that we've accumulated. I I don't even like going in public. Like I'm, right. I hate it. You know, like when people are like you know, oh, it's got to be so cool to be in your position. No, it's not because there's backlash and there's so much, there's so much that comes with the notoriety is a negative also, you know? So just, um, knowing that somebody is willing to, um, you know, be like that is kind of scary. Well, right. Someone willing to do whatever step over anyone to get there. I think you and I are very similar. I can just feel it where, we have such public jobs but i think we're very private at the end of the day like i oh, get yeah. that vibe you absolutely know I mean? yeah you can ask my team <laughs> i don't go anywhere unless it's scheduled and i know what's happening right 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 <laughs> no feel- surprises over here <laughs> yeah i feel the exact same way and i never grew up being like i want to be famous or in yeah. the limelight i mean i'm sure when i was younger like oh my god yeah, like, everybody li- goes through that i want to be singing. britney spears yeah, yeah exactly christina <laughs> yeah. aguilera yeah. yeah exactly um but that that was very clear that that was her goal and uh we, we did have chemistry like how you mentioned yeah. earlier and we went to south by southwest and i remember we were at this bar and we were very i think me more so very raunchy very explicit i was talking Mm -hmm. about like 
getting DP'd or some shit. <laughs> just like open. Being, it's my kind of girl right here. Right. <laughs> was very open about it. And by the end of the night, we had like a group of people around us just being like, what the fuck? Like, you guys are so funny. Da, da, da. And then we had the opportunity to start a podcast. Do you feel like she fed off of you, like your energy? Yes, 100%. But I, I fed off hers as well. You know, we were, we were very good that way. Mm -hmm. At the time, yeah. 100%. How did the opportunity for the podcast present itself? Because not everybody gets offered a fucking podcast with Barstool. Right. So she had a friend who had just started a podcast company. It was a startup. That is long gone now. Yeah. It was a bunch of like trust fund kids that just had a shit ton of money and yeah. had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> but they were like, we have this amazing studio that costs like, you know, however much. Yeah. Um, People don't realize how much goes into podcasting. So much. Time, effort, if I can, you don't get paid for a while. Like, right. You, like you have to really build to fucking be successful at it. 100%, which my story was a little bit different. I think I'm definitely like the outlier when it comes to that because we recorded, I think, three episodes and threw that shit on social media and had Barstool come and offer us a job just after like three episodes yeah. that we put out. When, so, when, so, okay, you guys got offered the podcast first or you guys started a podcast before Barstool offered? So we started a YouTube channel. Okay. <laughs> and if, if I had to fucking see that footage right now, I would jump through this window and disappear. <laughs> Don't you hate it? I have shit on my YouTube channel from like years ago and I'm like, no. No, I, and Why? there's no point in deleting it because mm. it like, once it's there, it's there. It's part of your journey. Right. Yeah, and somebody likes it. Right. <laughs> somebody <laughs> somewhere likes it, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but we started a YouTube channel and then this guy that had the podcast company, he came to us and said, you guys are interesting, two hot girls, funny. Why don't you try it? Was and the podcast always titled Call Her Daddy? No. Okay. What was your first t- name? Ooh, I'm trying to think of what the YouTube channel was called or what we were trying to call it. I have no fucking clue. I can't remember. We'll have to come back to that. Yeah, we'll have. I'll have to like do it. No, I'm like I'll do a deep dive. I'm like, no, I won't be doing that. But we recorded three podcast episodes and put them on social media. Barstool reaches out, and we leave that one company and go over to Barstool. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's huge because Barstool's uh, such a huge company. Right. Um, was that scary? Did you have to give up full control whenever you guys went over there? Like, what was the deal? Did they just pretty much consume everything that you guys did? Yeah, one 100%. It was like you're signing over the right to everything. It's like making a deal with the devil. Yeah, it really is. But from my perspective and where I was in my life, I was recording that podcast after work. Like right. after being at Morgan Stanley, mm-hmm. then I would go record it. So it was like fun for you. Yeah, it was, it was just, just a like hobby. Whatever. It was like a fun thing. You guys had no idea you guys were about to change the no. world. No, I mean, at least I didn't. I had no clue. Also, they offered more money. And I'm like, wait, I can just like talk on a microphone for an hour a week and, and make, make more. Obviously, there's so much more that goes into podcasting, but it, yeah. it was a no brainer for me. Did you guys write all of your own material or from the beginning? 
was that you guys doing it or did you guys have writers come in since barstool took over that's a really good question so milf hunter mm-hmm. who if people have listened to call her daddy or know me very well they know who that is he was uh one of alex's my co-host's best friends like high school best friends and he was behind the scenes for a lot of episodes more so with her i didn't really talk to him but he he's like a straight male Mm. and he would definitely give her a lot of her content Mm. i would do all of my own gotcha um but but he was he was the only person that would help but yeah we we did have help from him for sure so you guys um you know have this podcast and you guys you know record your first few episodes for barstool what happens from there because i remember when you guys burst on the scene the way i found you guys was i was jogging one day and i never fucking listen to podcasts it's not my thing (laughs) and somehow you guys popped up in my on my apple thing and i was like you know what i'll listen to it I fucking two hours in I was like these bitches are fucking hilarious like this is so funny and it was just something that nobody was doing at the time you know Mm -hmm. and it was very inspirational which you guys started in 2018 my I started my podcast in March of 2019 okay so like I would love to say that you you know I'm honored to say that you guys definitely inspired my journey with my podcast because I was like oh if these girls can get on here and tell their truth and you know me being a hooker from Vegas can fucking (laughs) get on here and tell my truths too you know so it was very inspiring and I just want to thank you guys for paving that way yeah like you guys are just I you know and I don't know Alex and but you know we have to give credit where credit's due you Mm -hmm. guys are both icons you know in your own right um so what happens after you guys drop those first few episodes with barstool yeah well thank you i mean i'm so flattered because i had no idea and that wow like i that's (laughs) that's fucking incredible um so we go over to barstool and i would say within six months of being there the shit just blew up. It I was mean, crazy. It was the number one podcast in the world. It was, I remember looking at the charts and it was like, you know, New York Times or New York Daily Mail, their shit. And then it was like, how to eat pussy by call her daddy, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, right below it. It just, it, it took over the world. It and really did. It was, it was fucking wild, you know, because it happened really fast. How did that feel? Were you scared? Were you fucking like, fuck yeah, bring it on? Like, I think I was like, fuck yeah, bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I was scared. When you're um, in it, it's so hard to process it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I People ask me that question. I'm like, when you're in it, you don't, you realize that it's becoming a big deal, but you don't really feel any different, if right. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right? People always think like, oh, once I get to the top or a certain destination or something, I'm going to feel completely different. You never really do. Mm -hmm. No, you never really do. If anything, you feel worse sometimes. You're like, I'm not (laughs) doing enough. Now what do I do? Yeah, right. You're like, (laughs) how do I make this even better? And it's like, yeah. So you guys had a pretty good run. How long did the podcast go for? Ooh, I want to say, I think I did about 80 something episodes. So close to two years. Wow. Yeah. And then everything blew up and then I went out on my own. But yeah, it was about two years of my life. So what happened? When did you start realizing that things were like, when did you realize that one, you probably realized you needed to get paid more money, right? Mm -hmm. Was that what happened? I don't know the full story. I've never really like tuned into what happened, but 
um, you know, there comes a time where you have to kind of be like, okay, I need to reanalyze my contract or something like that because you guys were holding barstool together like you guys put barstool on the map pretty much you know you know what i really appreciate you saying that because it's true a lot of women would not know who the fuck barstool is if it wasn't for you guys exactly men too yeah yeah and and barstool has like such a crazy fan base that it was like barstool made this blah blah of course they contributed to the success of the they show. produced it they didn't make it they you didn't can- no hmm. and and i understood that very early on the marketing they gave us incredible amazing great but once we became so huge i started to hang out with people that worked in entertainment and i was surrounded by people that understood the industry and we were going to be up for a contract negotiation and after speaking to a lot of people it was very very clear that we were getting severely underpaid yeah and when i say severely underpaid it was like i think my salary was 70k wow and we would get 2.5 percent off merch wow and Barso was they were robbing in, you guys. They were bringing in like a eleven million a year. Wow, roughly. Wow. So when you look at those numbers, it's, that like gives you goosebumps, right? Like, you know, you're building something that huge, and they're giving you literally fucking shillings, right? Exactly. Yeah, like, thank, like, thanks for being here. Right. <laughs> literally, <laughs> you right. guys are the brand. Thanks for being here. <laughs> I love this figure. Like, it's literally <laughs> yeah. like that. Um. But, I mean, the discrepancy between those two numbers is fucking crazy. Yeah. Not to mention, the podcast was my stories, my personality, very intimate details, you know? Your life. Mm Mm-hmm. Literally, you guys were going out on dates, coming home, and fucking just burying your soul, pretty much. Yeah. Right. So... Burying your holes. (laughs) Pretty much. Souls and holes. Souls and holes, baby. Both. Both, baby. (laughs) Sounds like a good episode to me. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, it it came to our attention and both Alex and I were like, something drastic needs to change. So you and Alex were both on the same page Mm -hmm. at this time, point in time. Very much aligned. Yeah. Then where it switched is we were kind of planning on taking our show elsewhere not kind of we were (laughs) planning on taking it elsewhere so you guys own the rights to it well we didn't own the rights okay but we could go start a podcast under a different name anywhere gotcha and we were like would still follow you because it's you guys exactly and it's like what is the name right you know sometimes you have to look at that when it comes to like branding is does the name matter or the person behind the podcast name? Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So we were planning on doing that. Then we had this infamous rooftop meeting with the owner Barstool. I don't know if he still owns it, whatever. Founder it's not Dave, of Barstool. Right? Dave. Oh, it is. Is he as much of an asshole in person as he is on Disgusting. Oh God. Mm-hmm. So that's not a, a shtick. It's not an online persona. No, he's he's a 40 year old frat bro Ugh. and gross love you but you're gross <laughs> <laughs> toodles <laughs> but um we had this meeting and then after the meeting I remember very vividly she was like uh they're gonna give us a chance to get our intellectual property back at the end of a year let's take the deal which was very it, it, 
to people listening, it sounds like, oh shit, you're going to get your intellectual property. Take that and run, obviously. Explain to people what intellectual property is in case people don't understand. So it's basically everything that you've created, your ownership to that. So the name, the phrases, um, the the merchandise, right? Like we would come up with a phrase, throw it on a t-shirt, sell it. I mean, I think there was the I am unwell, which I said in a podcast yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. That hoodie sold over a million dollars. Like just that hoodie. We're all unwell. Right. <laughs> it was we are. Perfect. <laughs> right. It was perfect. Yeah. Right. But now we are well. Yeah. Right. We're, we're on our way to being well. Yes. yes. We are well now. We're healing. <laughs> Growing and glowing. Yes. <laughs> um, so if if you think about it that way, it's like, oh, that's a no brainer. Take like stay and take that. I was thinking about it from a different perspective because of all of the deal points that came with getting the intellectual property at the end. A, I didn't trust him Hmm. and there was nothing in writing that was going to protect us and make sure that we got that. Did you guys have your own lawyers? We did. Okay. We did. And they weren't helpful or (laughs) (laughs) where the fuck were they in all this? (laughs) So it's funny because after that meeting, we called our attorney and told him about the conversation. And even our attorney was like, oh, the that's it's like literally the same thing that they already suggested. So you girls should just keep with your same game plan, which is what that was the vibe I was on also. Right. So I don't really know why she did a complete flip-flop and I probably will never know, but... Probably because they offered her a deal out from under you. That's exactly what I think happened because I think it was a couple weeks later, Milf Hunter, people are like, what kind of true crime... Like, how, like, crazy is this story? But um, Milf Hunter, who was helping her write shit. Her childhood friend. Yeah, her childhood friend, best friend. Uh, he reached out to me and was like, she had fucked him already, by the way. Wow. Like, she fucked him over. And I saw that happen. And I should have, you know, light bulb moment thought maybe something like that could happen to me. How did she fuck him over? Are we allowed to talk about it? Yeah, we can. I mean, basically, he was writing a lot of her fucking material Mm. i mean to captions on her social media to jokes she would say on the podcast and i always thought her humor was a bit masculine yeah yeah so now it makes sense because there's like a a straight white guy behind it like doing the whole thing um and because she's completely fell off content wise i'm not talking shit but mm -hmm. it's not like it was when you guys were together right which i've heard i haven't listened but i've heard that from a lot of people um but she finally brought him on to work for us and get paid and then really like tried to fire him and like get rid of him when yeah. really he was working for free for her for years she just has no loyalty no it's a terrible trait to Mm-mm. have especially i mean i guess in the entertainment industry she fits right in but and we're not here to bad mouth we're just sophia's telling her side of the story yeah and, you know we've all seen what happened so it's yeah we, it's okay for us to form opinions you know? yeah of course and and i'm learning I kind of wish I was more like that. I wish I was a little more ruthless and I was willing to just like step over people sometimes. No, you're perfect the way you are and the reason <laughs> why you have peace and are accomplishing stuff in life. You can, she's probably going to, you know, she just ma- signed a deal with like what, 16 million with uh, Spotify or something like that? Yeah. Where the podcast is, has gone to shit. Yeah. Literally what they did. So should I tell the Barstool story? 
<laughs> I've never told. I've never told. I'm like, wait, let's I've go. never told anybody this. Uh-huh. When you guys were going through your split, they were telling people to send in their sizzle reels of podcasts to replace you guys. Mm-hmm. So we were like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll just send in a sizzle reel of everything that we've done. Yeah. So we sent in a sizzle reel of my podcast. And this was just in 2019, right? 2020. When did you guys split? 2020? 2019 2019 yeah so it was in 2019 we sent them the sizzle reel literally everything we sent them in the sizzle reel she's doing in her podcast now down to the games stop down to everything yeah no they literally i don't want to say stole our formula but i mean it's just so coincidental like i'm talking like the games that she's playing with Haley bieber the fucking content that she shifted to just everything because she was never about mental health and fucking playing games with her guests and stuff like that so wow yeah so we i was pissed when that happened but i was like you know what whatever fucking teach their own i mean it again and we can like move on yeah i'm I'm not talking (laughs) shit that is very very interesting Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not surprising right there wasn't I mean my shit like my jokes and my stories and shit were very authentic and me yeah hers was milf hunter story so it makes yeah. sense that she took your shit and anything else she's seen that and, she could yeah you know so moving on from the breakup I know that that had to have been just the way you handled it like a lot of people are like oh Sophia took too long to speak out and I honestly feel like you did it very g-like Really? Yeah, I do. And I think I would have done the same thing because you didn't, um, people who gaslight jump to tell their story first, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's kind of like what they did. They like tried to get damage control, whatever, whatever. And they got their story out there first. And then you just kind of sat back, you know, licked your wounds and then came back out. What were you feeling during that time? Like what was going on with Sophia during the breakup? Yeah. Because you literally just kind of lost everything, right? Like, Oh, I mean, beyond. I lost my, who I thought was my best friend. I lost my show, which was like my baby. I lost that platform to speak to my listeners directly. And I didn't, yeah, I had an Instagram following and whatever else, but I didn't have the same reach to talk to my listeners that I would have had, right? If I still had the show. And I had my ex-best friend slash co-host and ex-boss teaming up, right? Mm -hmm. To like completely destroy me, which they had to do so that listeners would continue listening to the show and like it. Right. Because I had created a bond with them. I was 50% of the show and whatever else. Um, How does that feel to have the world coming against you? Because I saw some of the stuff. you. I've always been a follower of you. So uh-huh. I just saw all the shit that you were having to deal with. And I just always was Team Sophia. Like, really? I didn't know what was going Yeah, I've never been Team Alex ever. I've always just appreciated how you've handled things. I don't like people who talk a lot. She talks a lot, you know. So it's like I just kind of sat back and watched everything. But reading some of your comments, like, broke my heart. Because I was just like, God damn, this girl yeah. doesn't deserve this, you know. Yeah. So when you finally came out and spoke, I was like, Go, bitch, go. Right. <laughs> I'm I mean, so excited. Getting that fucking first podcast episode of Sophia with an F out was, I am not kidding. I think I weighed 90 pounds. Mm. I actually fainted the day before the episode went out because I was, I was physically and mentally so not okay. You're just frail. Yeah. It, it was really crazy. And having that many people involved in your business and, 
believing something about you that isn't true. That and don't even know what's going on. Right. Isn't it crazy how opinionated people on the internet are? And it's, it's disgusting. Like, are you, do you know the people you're talking about? Mm. Do you actually know what went down? No. It's really crazy to me, but it was, it was fucking crazy and traumatic. And did you stay in New York when no. it ha- was like, did you get a phone call that just said, hey, Alex has decided to sign a deal and you're not part of it? There was a lot of back and forth. Alex and I had stopped talking uh, Dave called me and he was like, hey, Alex came to me. She said, because we weren't releasing episodes, right? Uh, he said, Alex came to me. She said she wants to take the podcast by herself. She doesn't want you to be a part of it. Wow. I just desperately need to get the show back on air. I don't care if it's you. I don't care if it's her, but she doesn't want to work with you. Um, I'm going to offer you your own podcast under Barstool, but just a new one. And I was like, fuck that no I'm not doing that shit so that yeah I got that phone call um and that was crazy to hear I was like wait there's no way she said that like this this is my sister there's no Mm. way she said something like that um but there was a lot of back and forth and then one day I woke up and he released an episode under call her daddy right but it was him talking Mm. And then she came out with a YouTube video just really like ripping me apart and my boyfriend at the time. And how I dealt with it at that moment in time, there's like some PTSD. Mm -hmm. Again, silver lining. I'm so happy where I am now. And I'm, I'm grateful for like what happened. But I think I was very numb and I, I kind of blocked a bunch of shit out. Yeah. It's called you know, like selective memory. Whenever you go through something super traumatic, you just kind of like have to like, it's like a daze. You're yes. just like, you're here, lights are on, but nobody's home. And your body's doing it as a defense mechanism yeah, to, protect to protect you. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that's kind of how it was. And then a couple months later, I was like, I need to get my voice out. And yeah. I released my first episode. So how did you come up with Sophia with an F? <laughs> so I love your set by the way the blue oh my I god thank it. you really right cute. the baby mm-hmm. blue we are coming out with a new merch line that's gonna be Yay. very baby blue centric but I was I had so many different names I wanted to call it and I was talking to my agent and I was talking to a bunch of people and they were like just fuck it do Sophia with an F personal branding and yeah come out of the woodworks as your fucking name and just go for it and that's kind of that's kind of how it came to be made it easy for people to find you too right you already are such a fucking household name Mm -hmm. that you know as soon as people see that pop up on fucking podcasts they're like oh right we go i know (laughs) showtime here we go (laughs) yeah i listened to your first episode and i was like i was really proud of you thank you so much i would again die if i had to hear that again because i was not okay but it it was a lot to get that out there so thank you but it probably was so fucking relieving and so therapeutic it was i've come to find out having my podcast has been so therapeutic not only for the guests who come on but for myself too Mm -hmm. you know like dealing i battle uh you know a lot of mental health stuff like you know anxiety I do suffer from depression stuff like that and you know it just kind of like it's your own little world where people just love you and it's like it's like a pretty bubble you know and yeah of course we have the haters but we don't care about them you know Mm -hmm. like we have and our followers and our listeners become our family yeah everybody feels what you feel if you're going through a hard time they're going through a hard time you know and 
they lift you up when you need them and you lift them up and stuff like that. So yeah, it's so true. There's something so intimate about podcasting. It's just audio and you hearing someone. It's so different than even like a visual or something like that, you know, and you're, and you're talking for an hour more straight and you and I are very real and authentic. And so it's, yeah, I have, and I'm sure you do too, a very intimate relationship with your listeners. Yeah. yeah. So how is Sophia with enough doing? Is, is it like everything you've ever dreamed of? It is. It Yay. is. It's, it's doing incredible. I love Sophia with enough. It's going to continue for years to come. I plan on doing some other things. I think there's going to be some live touring coming soon. Yay, we should collab. We're tr- we're thinking about doing a live tour called, well, we were going to call it the horror tour, but fucking Amy Schumer took the horror tour. <laughs> so now we have to think of something else. We need to sue her. We need to sue. Yeah, fucking Amy Schumer. We know you're not a whore like us. God. No, no we'll come up with that title. What was it? We're going to bear our holes. Holes and, and our- souls, baby. Yes. <laughs> there Bearing we go. The holes and souls tour. <laughs> we're going to fucking kill it. Yeah, no, my boy Charlie Classic, he's a comedian, um, and he's always got these hot-ass bitches around him, dude, all the fucking time, and they're always willing to, like, shove a fist in their butthole and stuff like that. (laughs) So I've thought, like, why don't we take this fucking three-ring circus on the road? But I want to do, like, five major dates. I don't want to do, like, a whole tour like my husband does, because that's fucking brutal. Mm -mm. But I want to do, like, five major cities, go, and just fucking have a great time, and just, you know, have a blast, and do the tour. And Me too. Yeah. And what a great way to, like, engage with the listeners that's not like over the internet you know yeah absolutely and they get to actually like touch you and be around you yes and, like that. and they deserve that because they they you know that you guys support us so much we love you so much yeah so Sophia with an F I'm so proud of you Thank I mean you. there's just watching you're like the comeback kid Thank you Literally. so much. Yeah. I really appreciate that. You and need this a shirt that says inc- that. Comeback kid. The comeback kid. Yeah. <laughs> comeback season. This uh, was incredible. Thank you. Yeah. No. So I want, I had a couple people write in um, for some dating advice because I know you're like the queen of dating advice. Hell well, I don't yeah. know if it was all necessarily dating advice, but I have this thing that I do on my Instagram every Sunday. It's called Ask, Tell, Confess. I mean, I've had people confess murders. Like, it's stop, crazy. girl. It gets nuts over there. Stop. But I've you're done like, it. I didn't read this. I didn't see this. <laughs> no, I, t- I post it, and I'm like, listen, man. <laughs> as long as you know, like, I don't want to know the about details. this shit. Yeah. So, um, what I did was I did ask, tell, confess, and they kind of wrote in, and so um, I figured we'll just answer a couple questions together. I love that. All right, cool. Uh, Jean wrote i found out my hubby was texting prostitutes he swears he was doing it for a friend i roll how do we feel about this you know i feel like guys always say it's for the friend why does your friend need to do it off your husband's phone get a burner phone (laughs) i have a story to tell please (laughs) fucking i was dating my ex the abusive one and we were so off and on all the time. I would kick him out and go fucking party. Yeah. You know, it was just, you have that passion though. It's like, you have the best sex ever Mm -hmm. and then you fucking just can't get along. But anyways, I was going through his phone one day. He was in the shower and I looked in his trash and there's a video of this bitch twerking. Right. And it's like, it's on him and she's on a bed. She pulls her, she's naked. So of course, you know, they're about to have sex or whatever. And, but I can't see who the dude is, you know, but I can see that the camera's right here 
and there's no voice. He's not saying anything, but it's on his fucking phone, right? Right. This motherfucker told me it was his friend, Theo. And and it was such a mind fuck because I couldn't see who the dude was. And it's like a part of me wanted to believe him, but then a part of me didn't. So it was like, I never really fully believed him, but I couldn't prove it, you know? Right. So I I hate that shit. Yeah. I think that's kind of where she's at right now is like she can't prove it, but it's like you want to believe him but you don't want to believe him but you know you're probably never going to believe him and end up resenting him for it yeah that's a really good point i mean first of all to your abusive ex like if you're gonna throw it in the trash fucking delete it yeah how old are you delete (laughs) the shit absolutely but i mean to her point it's if you can't 100% prove something but you're 99% sure go with that gut feeling go with the gut feeling but I also, at the same time, think if you can't 100% prove something, just keep your eyes peeled. Yeah, because they'll fuck up again. They'll fuck up again very soon. They always tell him. You know, he'll he'll offer up the fucking the shit, the evidence eventually. Or text the girl. Is she if she has the tech the number? Then I'm sure dude probably had to send her. Because I know whenever I was in the game, you ask for a picture and ID. So if she could text the girl and if the girl's cool, she might be like, here, you know, here's you the ask a picture and ID for what? So back in, <laughs> wait, back, wait, you you're like, <laughs> wait, send me your ID. Is my guy back cheating? in my hoe days? Uh, <laughs> fucking. So I used to be a really high price call girl in Vegas. And, you know, you you have these ads on eros.com. Shout out eros. You guys made me hella money. Um, <laughs> fucking. In order to get a, a date with you is what they would call it. You know, these guys would text you, but you're not going to just walk into a fucking hotel room and just be like, oh, hey, I'm here. You know, one, it could be cops. You could be fucking walking into the last day of your life. You never know. So you always ask them, send me a picture of your ID and a mm. picture of you holding up your ID. Because if a motherfucker has something to lose, they're not going to you know, right. want to send you their ID. Or if they have bad intentions, they're not going to do that. So that was our way of like screening people. Okay, that's And that really way smart. you have all their information. And you can usually find their families online and Facebook like that mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. So if the, I think if the girl is cool that he was texting, you should just message her. Because I did have a couple wives who messaged me. And I was like, yeah, girl, here you go. You know, like, <laughs> I feel like it, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I'm just doing my job here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to suck a dick for an outfit you know (laughs) if it wasn't me it was gonna be someone else i didn't know (laughs) all right next question is do you think it's dumb to keep in contact with your ex me i think it is i think the only reason why people keep in contact with their exes is because there's hope that either one you can rekindle something Mm -hmm. or there's not there hasn't been enough closure I completely agree and I've dated guys who wanted to still be friends with their ex-girlfriends always ended up like they still liked them or they ended up hooking up or something yeah and from my point of view I have exes that were incredible amazing people and I can find more incredible, amazing people to be friends with. Absolutely. Like, you know what you I mean? You don't need an ex. You yeah. don't. That like played, a, it played itself out. Obviously, they're an ex for a reason, so keep them there. I totally agree. Unless you're trying to get back together with them. Then. Yeah. How do you feel about orgies? I know you're already about that life, but like several people. 
So my husband and I have an open relationship. Okay. It's not really open. It's more like, you know, my husband's a musician, so I know there's groupies that want to, you know, hook up with him. And Mm -hmm. if if he tells me about it or I'm there, I'm all for it. But don't do something behind my back that a fucking girl can DM me about and I not know about. I don't like surprises. Yeah. My husband, on the other hand, is like, if you want a cabana boy, I don't want to know about it. Just do it. (laughs) You know? Right? I feel like that's pretty, like, common. Guys don't want to know. Girls do when it comes to an open relationship. I just feel better if I know. No, you know, because I don't want to be blindsided by some fucking bitch being like, oh, hey, I sucked your man off last Ooh, night. Like, oh, yeah. hey, girl, thanks, you know? Right. <laughs> I'd rather watch a fucking sex tape mm. than like you come up right. to me and like try to tell me some shit. Right. Like, exactly. But as far as orgies go, I don't know. That's a lot of bodily fluids for me. I've never done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't fucking know. I've done. I've done like several threesomes orgy threesomes I don't think is a problem no I mean is four people an orgy she said like several so I'm guessing like five or six I just I don't think yeah I would with the monkey pox and shit right now I'm like "Mm, let's keep it like a little contained dude we used to go to the swingers club in fucking uh Vegas all the time called the red rooster and when I think of orgies, I they have this thing called the pyramid of beds in there. And it's a room that you walk in and there's fucking just beds, like literally in the shape of a pyramid Stop. that go up to like the ceiling. This girl was getting plowed by like 11 dudes. Like she literally, and it smelled. No, <laughs> it no. Smelled, just it smelled like, like sex? It smelled like fermented lasagna. No. <laughs> like it was so bad I was like but we were all so in awe that all of us were like standing there with our hands over our mouths fucking just trying to breathe and watch like she had a dick in her ears stop nostrils oh I thought they were running a train no every hole oh no every hole had a dick in it it was crazy I didn't understand what was going on and we were just so fucking impressed dare I say yeah absolutely we we didn't care about the smell we just fucking were just like what is happening here but it was just too much well do they all wear a condom and how does that I don't know I just I feel like so we would go to the swingers clubs in Vegas because me and my girls would always go to bars and like all the girls I hung out with were attractive and we just hated getting fucking hit on by dudes and they don't take no for a fucking answer no so we would hang out at the swingers clubs because they have rules there if you come up to a girl and they're like hey do you want to party and you say no they have to walk away or they'll get kicked out Okay, so we should apply those rules to every night. <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? <laughs> yeah. Swingers are actually like really cool people. They're all a little fucking weird, but they're all really mm-hmm. cool people. Just don't eat the buffet. <laughs> I fucking ate the buffet and got drugged at the fucking swingers club. I swear to drugged God. Drugged from the buffet? The meatballs. The biscuits or what? <laughs> it's the meatballs. No fucking Listen, way. I went there with my ex one time and fucking everything was fine. And I was just so fucking drunk. And I remember they had spaghetti and meatballs at the <laughs> at this fucking swingers club. And fucking, I ate the spaghettis and meatballs, and I fucking blacked out. Next thing you know, Stop. we are at my my ex's parents' house, passed out in his old room with Del Taco wrappers all around us, dude. We fucking passed out like the bed is is this way. We passed out the opposite side of the bed, laying back like this with the lights on, completely oh. nude, with the door open. <laughs> 
Tell me that we didn't get drugged. So okay, so I, it's not even like my drink I have to worry about. Like I can't eat a fucking buffet. Don't now. eat don't eat the meatballs at the swingers club. <laughs> so anything unattended. Anything unattended. yeah. That you don't know where it came from. <laughs> don't fucking eat it. Holy shit. So I guess our answer to that question is uh no. Yeah. <laughs> so shockingly, we're not down with orgies. So basically yeah. everything else. Like we'll do we'll do threesomes, but yeah. not orgies. We're not into that. All right, one more question. Or uh yeah. Well, two. Has anyone ever came on your feet? No. I mean, maybe on accident, but like not intentionally. <laughs> okay, how do you accidentally come on somebody's feet? <laughs> I mean, if they're just standing over me, like lose control. Oh, yeah, of their yeah, penis. yeah. Gotcha. Never That's hot. Never intentional though, have you? No, I've not I've always thought that dudes that had foot fetishes were kind of weird. Like yeah. I, I never understood whacking somebody off with my feet. But you've done it. I have if, I, I have. mean we all have. Yeah, we, we've all done it. <laughs> we've all done it. Yeah. But it just feels a little like neanderthalish you it know does. like there's nothing sexy about cupping a dick with your feet no, you, you literally know? feel like a monkey and yeah. it's it's kind of bizarre yeah no i've never really gotten into the whole foot fetish thing no so. i don't understand the foot fetish although i think some guys are just they want everything to be freaky and it's yeah. like they don't necessarily have a foot fetish but it's like use your feet yeah. use whatever you have i'm also yeah. into this there's no start my cum yeah, yeah. <laughs> just anything weird right like anything they're into like that i can kind of play with because it's like you're just a freak yeah if you specifically like the feet our kinks don't really line up yeah i don't understand i don't understand people that are like into the arches and fucking just mm. weird shit and the used shoe what is hot about that <laughs> like who wants to see a, a scrumped foot you it's know like so there's nothing hot about it <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing hot about that all right so last one my husband's dick is small but i still scream his i but i still scream every time he slides it in good girl <laughs> at a girl 100 percent. i mean i don't know if that was a complaint or if that was more of her saying like you know i'm just still trying to make him feel good like she feels like a fraud yeah and i mean if you to, if you make noises and make your husband feel great, you know, there's nothing he can do about his dick size. Right. You know? so, so I think it's it, like, right. In that instance, you yeah. should. Yeah. I think you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Definitely don't scream like, oh my God, you're so big. Because <laughs> <'cause> you <laughs> know there's girls that <laughs> yeah. think they should yell that and yeah. the guy's not even big. And then the guy is like, I know how big I am. Are yeah. you fucking lying? You're like, no, I ha he's like, no, I have a micro dick, bitch. Yeah. Don't fucking so <laughs> pretend. <laughs> yeah, don't lie about the size, but you can like scream and be like, oh my God, that feels good. I think our job as women is to make guys feel good as long as they're making us feel good. You know, exactly. Even if he's not physically making you feel good. Obviously, you married the motherfucker for a reason. Right. You know, so right. I think that, you know, you guys sound like a match made in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the right thing, baby. Yes. Sophia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. And I want to bring you back every year and just check in with you and see how you're doing. I would fucking love that. This was so amazing. We absolutely vibe. And I can't wait to have you on my episode, Sophia yeah. with an F. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And Sophia, why don't you tell people where they can find you? So you guys can find me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, basically anywhere. Sophia with an F, Franklin with a Y. On TikTok, it's Sophia Franklin and then the number zero. But I'm all over all social media, being a hoe, being funny, being annoying, whatever you want. And then Sophia the Neff is yes. my podcast. 
Yay. Go listen, you guys. Go listen. Not now, right now. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Dumb Blonde. I will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.